0: Well, good morning, Randolph Street family, and happy Lord's Day to each of you who have gathered in this space with us this morning. We welcome you to our gathering. It looks like we're finally starting to see a few more folks beginning to come back. Uh, we are so glad you are here. To those of you still joining us online, we, uh, we miss you, and we look forward to you being in this space with us soon, likewise. It's the Lord's Day. He, he's called us. We, we remind you of this almost weekly. He has called us, his people, to this moment, to gather in this space together. And here, we will lift up our voices together, united around and by the gospel, and we will sing praises to our God. We will, we will pray together. We will read the scriptures together. We'll submit our hearts to the preaching of God's word. And we will do all of that today, uh, I pray and I hope, for the glory of our great and mighty God. So I trust he's prepared your heart for this. I trust you walk into this room today with a mind and a heart readied to worship our great and glorious God. Amen? All right, a few announcements. Just grab your bulletin, a few things to run through as we get started this morning. A couple of things not listed in your bulletin I want to point out likewise. Uh, Adult training hour classes, those will pick up in a couple of weeks. Uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, uh, this is, we're still 50-50 on this. We'll get information out early in the week. Uh, next Sunday, we'll have an On Mission Together meal here. Uh, it's been quite a while since we've hosted one of those due to COVID, uh, but Lord willing, we will have that here next Sunday morning. Information will come out via the church email this week. A few other things, just make sure you're noting that Member Connect platform, we've pushed that a, a few months. Uh, If you have not signed up for that, please do so soon. Please note the announcement on the giving statements. I do want to make just a a slight um, add-on announcement to that. We made a transition in 2021 of our giving platforms and how we report giving. And uh, in the midst of that transition, though we have all those numbers, some of the reports we're printing out are not accurate on your giving statements. So please review your giving statements uh, to ensure that your report is accurate. If you have questions, uh, you can please uh, please see Amanda. Her information is in the bulletin. You can contact her. Uh, one not in the bulletin announcement, Mike Allen is having surgery. He had surgery last week on his shoulder. I know they would appreciate your prayers uh, as he continues to heal and recover from that. We were going to have our new members Sunday today, uh, but we canceled that because uh, it's a small class and about 90% of them are out of town. So we decided that would not be wise to host that today, Uh, but you will hear more information about that in the coming... Weeks. We have our pastors from Christ Community Church with us this morning. I'll leave that to Pastor Tim in a few moments. We're really excited about this partnership and what the Lord is doing here in Appalachia. And we're going to be taking some special time during our gathering gathering to uh, rehearse some of those things and to pray uh, for our brothers this morning. Okay, with all that aside, let's turn our attention to the Lord. It is appropriate of us as God's people as we enter into worship of this holy and glorious God that we take a moment and pause and pray confess our sins to the Lord that we enter into this time with with pure hearts and holy hands as we worship our great and mighty God our text this morning to drive us to the gospel is Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 through 14 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's that's good truth for you to set on your hearts as we approach our God this morning and worship him. Let's take a moment and prepare ourselves for that time. if you would please, and let us hear the word of God. Call us, the people of God, to worship this Lord's Day. This is a responsive reading from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his
1: delight is in the
0: He is planted, he is like a tree planted by streams of water.
1: That yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither.
0: In all that he does, he prospers.
1: 三公
2: Continue through the Baptist Catechism each week, we encourage you to make sure you pay close attention to the truth that we'll see. Some of the question and answer today is on a broad spectrum, but extremely important that we understand it. Question six May all men make use of the Scriptures?
1: All men are not only.
2: What do the scriptures mainly teach?
1: The scriptures mainly teach what man is to believe about God and what duty God requires of man. Let's pray.
2: Our Father, we are so grateful for your scriptures that you've given to us. Father, as we read, as we teach, as we think, as songs are penned from the truth of your word, Lord, our hearts are overwhelmed to think that you have given us your holy word, that you have moved upon men to pen exactly what you desired for us to have, that it is a reliable record. God, breathe, coming from the very essence of your heart and mind. Lord, you have communicated there that truth about who you are. Father, give us faith to believe. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your truth. I pray, Father, that what we know of you, our understanding of you, would not be shaped by our culture. But, Lord, be shaped by the truth of your word. Help us, Father, to embrace what you say about yourself. Things that are sometimes very difficult to understand, sometimes very difficult really to even put together in our mind, and yet we know it is true. And so, Lord, help us to know you from your word. And I pray, Lord, as we read your word, we would also be able to understand what is our duty and delight in serving you and knowing you. Father, that we have a responsibility before you, but Father, you have enabled us by your grace to carry it out for your glory. And so, Lord, give us sweet and good attention to your word today and each day as we read, as we think, as we meditate. Might your word continue to serve as an anchor to our soul, Lord, for those who are walking through deep and difficult waters. We know, Lord, that sometimes we, it is easy to lose our way. It's sometimes easy to be overwhelmed in life itself and how important it is that your word serves as an anchor. It serves as a refuge. It serves as a rock. It serves as a light unto our path. So, God, might we, your people, be faithful in your word. And, Father, might you continue to be faithful to open up your word to our heart. Be with Pastor Jason as he preaches for those who read. Lord, might your word ever be central in our church. In Christ's name, amen.
1: Please stand and sing.
3: From the Gospel of Matthew. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? A reading from Paul's letter to the church at Rome. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation awaits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Please stand and sing.
2: Seth, if you would come at this time. It is a joy to have these two good brothers from down in the Kentucky Way uh, to be up with us today. You've seen their pictures in our slides before, and so it's a joy to have them. It's been my prayer uh, for several weeks now, knowing that they're going to come, that God would really knit our hearts to these brothers. We would capture their vision as well as our vision for Central Appalachia and planting churches in needy areas, Uh, and it is a true joy to have them with us here today. Pastor Jason and I had the privilege of having breakfast with them several months ago. Uh, They are a part of Justin's church, and they'll be telling us that in just a moment. Uh, But we both came away that day just thanking God for these two men what God is doing in their life, so I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. You have some family that's not with you today. You can give us uh, some of the things going on in your family.
4: Thank you, Tim. Yes, yeah, so my name is Alex Garner. Uh, I have a wife, married six years. I have a three-year-old at home, and my wife, in about 15 days, will be giving birth to our son, and so she's at home resting. And uh, it's been a tough, tougher pregnancy on her than the first one. But uh, yeah, so born and raised, and well, born in Alabama, raised in Eastern Kentucky. And it's a it's a pleasure to be here and to see your all's love and compassion toward Appalachia, where we're t- where we're at in Eastern Kentucky, and we're excited to to partner alongside you guys in gospel ministry. Uh,
5: my name is Seth Daniels, uh, born and raised in Kentucky, and uh, my wife Hannah couldn't be here with us this morning, but we've been married since 2019, so mayo make three years. Um, we don't have any children uh, yet. But uh, we are uh, so very thankful, uh, as Alex said, for your all's partnership. Uh, we're so thankful for everything that Randolph Street's going to do for, uh, with our association, uh, everything the association's going to do for us. Uh, and, and more than anything, we're so glad to be partnering with a gospel-centered church, uh, a church that is all about the gospel and nothing else.
2: Thank you. Well, they've got good voices. I'll say that for them. That's good. I could uh, listen to that all day long, so thank you. I think you're a barber, aren't you? That's what I remembered, and you work in the social work area, don't you? Yeah, Yeah, case management, so very good. Uh, Just a few questions. Um, I'm going to let both of you answer this. Give us a brief overview of your ministry background and then some of your preparation there at Lakeville.
4: Well, I'll be 29 in March. Um, God saved me and converted me at the age of 19. I grew up in the church, um, so... Had an understanding of what the what the gospel was, but didn't truly come to uh, personally accept it um, as an individual in my freshman year of college. And as soon as I got saved in college, I was very zealous to help other young individuals come to know the gospel that I'd come to finally learn and accept as a as a freshman in college. And so I entered into youth ministry at my local church. I was in youth ministry for about six years, and in 2019, I felt uh, the but I felt the aspiration and the call uh, to see another gospel uh, lighthouse planted in our community. And uh, this may be kind of uh, a preliminary question but that may come, but um, just our region, Floyd County in Eastern Kentucky, it's about 39,000 people in our county. Uh, Prestonsburg, where our church is going to be planted, is about 5,000 people. And if you look at just the church attendance in our in our county alone, only around a little less than 10,000 um, people are attending church in a county that has almost 40,000 people uh, Much of our churches in our in our region are small um, country churches in up in Hollers. and so um, There's a large population of people um, in our county who do not know Christ And so that is the fundamental motivation for our efforts here um, but uh, Seth and I um, got to know one another really well in 2020 um, we moved to Lakefield Baptist Church in Sarrowsville, Kentucky, which is about twenty minutes from Prestonsburg, where we'll be planting. And since then, our ministry has just been. Justin's been gracious enough to to share the pulpit with us, and we've been trained under the elders at Lakefield, and just been growing as Christians uh, over our time at Lakefield. So,
5: um, I was saved at uh, the age of twenty, and. 2014, when I was 21, is when I felt uh, the burden to uh, to go into the ministry um, at the church I was at at the time. Uh, I very graciously had a pastor, uh, although we have some theological differences now. Uh, he took me under his wing, and, and um, he truly cared for, uh, for the scriptures and, and for Christ, and, and I think he instilled that in me. Uh, over the course of the next few years, of course, uh, I left that church, I went somewhere else um, and was there for a few years. And then, like Alex said, when we, uh, when we got together, we quickly uh, came to know Justin. Justin, like he said, took us under his wing. I've, I've grown so much under uh, Justin's tutelage. Uh, he has been so gracious with Alex and I um, as far as sharing his pulpit, um, giving us insight into what it actually means to be an elder uh, outside of the pulpit, uh, what it looks like to be a pastor of a flock, uh, more than just bringing the word, but the other aspects of it. Um, but, uh, I'm, again, um, I'm so, uh, thankful for him and, and the other elders, Brian and JB, uh, there at Lakeville that have helped us along the way. Um, but like, uh, like I said, I've been in ministry for, I guess it's 2022 now. So for, uh, eight years, uh, and, uh, it's, it's an ever-growing process. My theology has changed over the years, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful to have come to know the doctrines of grace, uh, and I'm excited to be able to share those with, like Alex said, the people in uh, the people in our community uh, who, uh, there are many people, I'm sure it's the same here in West Virginia um, and all of Appalachia, there's people, they, they know what the gospel is, but they don't trust the gospel. Um, they believe that Jesus existed, but they don't trust in Jesus, and, and we see that a lot in our area, and and that, more than anything, is, is my motivation uh, in, in planting Christ Community Baptist Church, and I know Alex's as well, is to get the gospel to those people.
2: Let me just say how much I appreciate their willingness to take some time before entering into that. I know, you know, from my perspective, they're really young. From their perspective, their old life is moving on but they've been very willing to step back and to learn under Brother Justin. They feel it's important. One of the things in our process of church planting here with Peter down at Risen King, we felt it important to be able to help him understand to mature in ministry itself, and these men have done that. I've heard both of them preach, uh, not in person but online, and uh, they both handle the word well. Uh, You can sense from their ability to communicate their passion their fine ministers of the scriptures and so we appreciate that. Uh, Justin really has taken time and I I applaud him for that in really uh, pouring his life into these two men. Uh, what will be your roles in your ministry down there?
4: Well uh, I'm very thankful that obviously with Seth and I being bi-vocational pastors and church planning in Eastern Kentucky is not a luxurious, endeavor, and so uh, being bivocational pastors, both working 40 hour jobs, um, we're going to share the pulpit, and so I'm so excited to do that with him, we'll we'll share that pulpit ministry with my background in youth ministry, um, I'm going to have a specific focus of our children's ministry, our youth ministry, and um, I'll let Chef, Seth say exactly what he's going to do so. Um,
5: so, like Alex said we'll uh, 50% uh, pulpit uh, piece and uh I'll be over our community groups um, and over the music ministry. uh, I've been around music my entire life, so I'll I'll be in charge of that. Um, And then the community groups on our Sunday night, um, I'll be in charge of those and and making sure that uh, everybody has their uh, materials and all that good stuff. So uh,
2: that's pretty much Very good. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned about Prestonsburg and why you're going there, we rejoice in that, and certainly that can be true of so many towns in southern West Virginia, uh, eastern Tennessee, in your particular area. Uh, I know that you've been meeting with a core group, I think is how you've identified them. Uh, Alex, take just a moment and share with us what's happening in those meetings and how you're preparing kind of the, the status of things moving forward
4: yeah so uh just very quickly um on sunday evenings um probably for about you say five six months at least now um, we've been walking through the book of acts together and of our individuals who have um, are also pursuing going through our church membership classes even though we're not an existing church um, because we believe that it's important that on day one when we do launch that we covenant together as a as a body of believers and and covenant together as members of this local church and so we're really just saturating ourselves in the book of Acts and learning what the local church did uh, in that time and how we can, to the best of our ability, by God's grace, replicate that evangelistic fervor and uh, concern to make disciples and where God has placed us. So, yeah. uh,
2: I think you'll be meeting in a public school there that they have uh, granted you permission to meet there. Is it right in Prestonsburg? Okay, well, can't beat that. I've been in many cafeterias, not only eating, but uh, preaching as well. So uh, that's how we've started in some of our churches and schools uh, that way. Well, very good. We rejoice in what God is doing there. Uh, Share with us, uh, both of you, if you would like, uh, just a couple of prayer requests. Uh, Make sure you get these down, if you would, just so you can really focus in, pray for them, be faithful in praying for them. The name of the church again is Christ Community Baptist Church, Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Okay, so
4: yeah, um, and I'll let Seth kind of share of a financial prayer request. But I think um, our greatest desire, more than anything, more than your all's potential giving, is just please, please pray that we would continue to be faithfully foremost to the gospel. Um, that what we bring into the pulpit every single Lord's day, starting April 17th, April 17th, Easter Sunday will be our first service in Prestonsburg High School and in, in our cafeteria. And so we just pray that everything that we bring into the pulpit, everything that is taught, said, and done in this church plant, would glorify God and would be for the good of the people in our community. And so just please pray for us that we would be faithful in that regard. Faithful husbands, faithful fathers for me and I know Lord willing for Seth here in a few years. So just pray for our faithfulness um, above all else.
5: Um, Like Alex said, uh, you know, financially we've been uh, extremely blessed um, from from the other churches in the association. We've had, um, uh, I won't start naming churches because I'll forget one and uh, we don't want to do that, but uh, many churches in the association have donated items that we actually have uh, everything that we need except for a uh, utility box trailer that's the last thing we're, we're just looking for one uh, you know with with covid and, and things like that it's been hard to find uh, certain items and that's one of them uh, but um, that's that's really the only thing financially we need you know there's been churches that have stepped in uh, to uh, agree to give uh, monthly donations and of course being in the cafeteria we're not going to have any bills or anything like that so uh... uh we're very thankful for the giving and, and that we'll be able to uh... put that money toward, um toward our missionaries uh, that we've contacted and also uh, towards a building fund in the future so uh, financially I guess uh, our only request would be that uh, perhaps that we would uh, be able to find a utility box trailer like I said that's really the last thing that we need so if you could keep that in your prayers um, and, and that of course uh, that we would be financially responsible uh, moving forward with the church
2: Very good. I'm going to ask our elders if you would please to come let's walk down here around the front like for our elders to come and kind of surround these brothers and we'll have a time of praying as a church body uh, as they're launched out. I'm going to ask Brother Walker if you will lead us in prayer.
6: Heavenly Father we gather here on Sunday mornings to worship you certainly father you are the only one worthy of our worship but this morning is a special morning for Randolph Street as we take and help send these two gentlemen and their families off to Prestonsburg to start a new church father we would ask this morning that you would be with this Randolph Street family to open their hearts and minds that they might recognize that they're committing to more than just to pray for these two fellows and their families and the work that they've got ahead of them, but to take and to help them both spiritually, materially, and financially. Father, we also would ask this morning that you would be with Alex and with Seth as they start this journey along with their families, to be with them, to guide them, and protect them on the journey. We know the road will not be wide and straight, but it'll be narrow and have its ups and downs. So we'd ask that you would be with them. We ask also that you would take and give them knowledge and wisdom and discernment as they preach the gospel and teach this flock that you will give them. As shepherds, we know that the pasture at times will be lush and green and the water sweet, but there'll also be times when the pasture will be bare and the water bitter. So be with them to encourage them, to strengthen them for all seasons. And Father, as we send Alex and Seth, on this journey, we look forward to the time when this church at Prestonsburg will become another stone in the wall as Christ builds his greater church. So we would ask that you would be with them and with all of us today for your glory and not for our own. We ask for all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you, Greg and Madison, for ministering to us this morning in music. Thank you, brothers, for sharing about Christ's community. I tell you just my soul is just overwhelmed with gladness. Walker, I want you to write that prayer down. I want that prayer. And we're gonna pray that for every church that's planted in Appalachia. Uh, thank you for leading our time together in prayer as our brothers mentioned there were there were some moments in their presentation when they said whoever one of you is born in alabama you could have left that part out Sorry, right. you redeemed it when you said holler not hollow okay uh but a number of our churches in our network have are supporting these brothers at christ community church and Uh, I mean, guys like Justin at Lakeville have just been such an instrumental part of their lives. And by extension, that's us down there. And I'm thrilled about that, Uh, what the Lord's doing through Justin and Lakeville and places like Williamson and Fort Gay and and many other uh, spots throughout Appalachia and our network and their commitment to assist these brothers for the days that are to come. Thank you for how you're singing this morning. Uh, As you were, I had to look these words back up a few moments ago on my phone uh, when you were singing this a moment ago, I about came out of my shoes. When, you, when we were out singing aloud, come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. I mean, you were singing that a moment ago, and my heart was just connected with that truth. And, and of course, the chorus to hear you belt that out, I will arise and go to Jesus. Uh, thank you for how you engage each and every Lord's Day. Lifting up our voices to the Lord. Well, if you'll take your copy of God's holy word for just a few moments this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Today is kind of a familiar sermon, if you will. Uh, It is a business meeting sermon as we go to a text that has been significant in the life of this local church since 2010, January 2010, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 21. It was in January of 2010. We kind of adopted this text, if you will, um, and and kind of made it our own as it summarized that which we are most passionate about here at Randolph Street. And what, what was born out of that was what we call the 321 Project, which is a fund we have set aside and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last 11 years or so through church planting, churches like Risen King and global ministries in places like India and Indonesia and China, and now in places like Vietnam and Western Indonesia, uh, Northern Africa. Uh, that vision was kind of planted and grounded on this text that we're going to go back and look at again this morning and has grown and now as we look toward 2022 uh, we are seeing the Lord do things that just cause causes our hearts to rejoice Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 are what we call a doxology. We're, we're going to look at verse 21 only this morning. I've preached out of this particular text, I think, six times in the, since 2010. It's been six years since the last time I've spoken from this particular text. But doxologies are, are brief expressions that we find throughout the Old and New Testament. And in a doxology, we find an author ascribing to God something that is true about him. Doxologies kind of flow out of a heart that has been affected by God's grace and mercy toward us. They, they inherently, doxologies do, and you're going to see that this morning, doxologies kind of inherently call us, the readers, to join the, join the author in praise of our God. As I mentioned, doxologies are found throughout the Old and New Testament. Sometimes you find them in very brief phrases. At times you find fuller expressions, multiple sentences. Let me read to you three of them out of the New Testament. Three very familiar doxologies. Romans chapter 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ... According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus... The great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. One more. Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. And in that familiar refrain, amen. Those are three kind of classic doxologies that we find in the New Testament. And today we'll look at another. Most doxologies, as we read the scriptures, have a variety of common traits. For example, the three that I just read you're going to hear the reader in these in these doxologies. He's, he's going to call our attention, the writer, he's going to call our attention as readers to focus up on God. And in these doxologies, we're going to, we're going to find a reference to something that is true about God. Something that focuses up, us up on his intrinsic power and glory. These doxologies, they're going to, often call us to remember the eternal nature of the glory of this god whom we are speaking of but this glory is unending it is before all time and it is forever and ever these doxologies are going to remind us and as i mentioned a few moments ago and i'll come back to the end of my sermon these particular doxologies that i referenced they all end with that final singular word amen amen They call us to God. They call us to see something that is true about this God. They remind us of the glory of God and how that glory is now and forever. And then then the authors come behind that with a amen. It's it's like their, their hearts are bursting at these thoughts of the glory of God. We sing a doxology every Lord's Day here at the end of our gathering. It's not a doxology that you find in the New Testament or Old Testament. It's a doxology that was written in the 17th century by an Anglican minister who was a chaplain under King Charles II. It it is a short expression of praise to God, just like these biblical doxologies. The author is going to remind us, week in and week out, of all the blessings that, that God gives to us. He is the source of all good, of all mercy, and all grace. And in that doxology that we sing every Sunday morning, it it calls us, doesn't it? Creatures here below and all the heavenly hosts. It it brings heaven and and earth together and it calls us as the people of God to lift up our voices in praise. And and not just praise, but praise to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So every Sunday before we leave, these, these are the truths we want to be pressed in our hearts. We'll do it again today. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Before we step into Ephesians 3, why are doxologies so important in the scriptures? Why should they be important to us as readers? Well, I hope you heard this when I was reading those three doxologies. And I, it would probably be a healthy exercise for you to go and just Google this afternoon doxologies Old Testament, New Testament. Some short phrases, some more extended, like some of the ones I read a few moments ago. But reading a doxology is really an experience of faith, it, it draws out our heart, if you will. Doxologies are important because they they help us shape our responses to God. We're going to see that today in this doxology. As we think about what God has done for us in Christ, as we think about the grace and mercy we have received from God, what doxologies do is they help shape our response back to God. Doxologies, reading them, rehearsing them, they have inherent commands in them. I mean, they, they're, they're calling you, right? This author is like, come on, join with me in this. Have you, have you heard what I've said about God and what he's given to us in Christ? Now, in, in doxologies, they just call us to join in with the author and to lift up our voices to God and ascribe to God the glory that is due his holy name and his name alone. Doxologies are good for that. if you're weary here this morning like that verse i was reading from our song a few moments ago if you're heavy laden if the burden of this world or experiences and struggles are falling up on you listen i would commend to you this morning go to the scriptures and read these doxologies they will bring encouragement to your weary soul I mean, you, you can't help but to hear Jude and the writer of Hebrews and the writer of Romans. You can't help but to hear these, and it, it's like an anchor to our souls. It's, it stimulates our faith. It reminds us of who God is and how glorious he is, and it calls our hearts to worship and praise and to get outside of ourselves and to focus up on God, and that is medicine for the weary soul. So doxologies play an important role in the life of the believer and let's now turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 3 and we're going to look at the backside of this particular doxology verse number 21 as I mentioned before this is a business meeting sermon I do these every I used to do them every year now it's every couple of years but this doxology verse 21 is the ground we stand on here at Randolph Street as we've thought about our ministry together, as we've, as, as we've thought about ministry here in Appalachia, as we think about ministry to the nations, verse 21 it brings together the truths that we set out in 2010, January of 2010, and we planted ourselves on these truths. This is, this is the ground we're standing on as we think about ministries. we think about gospel advancement. We wanted this to be in our heart and mind. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And then there it is again, amen. Here's what I'm gonna do for the next few minutes. We're gonna look at four phrases in this particular text, and then I'm gonna conclude by reminding you of some things the Lord is now doing among us here at Randolph Street. We're gonna look at four phrases. Here's how we're gonna break them up. To him be glory, we're gonna look at that. What's he mean by that? We need to know that. It's important for our church. Maybe one of the most important questions in the church and in Christ Jesus. This makes this doxology a little unique in the New Testament because he brings the church into it. And that is, that is, if I remember correctly, this is the only place in the New Testament. The church now is brought into a doxology like this at least. Third phrase throughout all generations, forever and ever. And again, this, this makes this doxology a little bit unique compared to others. And then finally, amen. So let's look at these phrases. To him be the glory. As good readers of the Bible, we are aware that Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, did not parachute in, minus context. When we come to verse number 21, verse 20 and 21, we are at the end of three breathtaking chapters. Absolutely breathtaking chapters. And now in this little doxology, Paul comes to this moment after three Stunning chapters about God's grace toward sinners in Christ. He comes to the end of it and he lets out this doxological pronouncement, the only proper response to those three particular chapters, and it is this: to him be glory. That is the only right response of the author for this particular moment after he has walked through three incredible chapters. To God be the glory. What does it mean to give God glory? This is really, really important for us. And we're going through the Baptist Catechism this year. The second question of the Baptist Catechism is the first question of the Westminster. What is the chief end of man? Well, you know the answer to that. But what's it mean when we say the chief end of man is to glorify God? God. What does Paul mean when he comes to this doxology? He lets that out of his lips. To him be glory. So let's be really clear on what this is. To give God glory does not mean we add something to God, as if God was deficient or lacking in something. It is not giving to God something that he does not possess. But to give God glory is to acknowledge something that is true about God. It is to recognize what is true of this God and his works, his inherent excellencies, his majestic being and sovereign works. And it's not just recognizing those truths about God, it is affirming those truths about God and rejoicing in them. You see, glorifying God is not just a mental exercise. It is an effort of the heart, of our faith, of our lives, as our soul recognizes the unique beauty of God and it rejoices in that God. That is glorifying God. One early American pastor writes this, God glorifies himself toward the creature in two ways by appearing to their understanding, okay, there's that side of it, and in communicating himself to their hearts and in their rejoicing and delighting in and enjoying the manifestations which he makes of himself. You hear that? God is glorified, he writes, not only by his glory being seen, but by his glory being rejoiced in. When those that see it delight in it, God is more glorified than if they only see it his glory is then received by the whole soul and both by the understanding and by the heart so this phrase to him be glory is here and it's here for two reasons it's here for two reasons number one in three chapters I've mentioned this already multiple times in three chapters of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, it is there that Paul sets our attention on the rich, unmerited, glorious grace of God that has saved the sinner. For three chapters. I mean, just take, take a moment this afternoon. This doxology is going to be, mean a lot more to you if you read Ephesians 1, 2, 3. But in those three chapters, he is demonstrating to you the grace that God has shown to you in Christ. As a sinner, let's do a little experiment because I, w- I want you to see how natural this statement is, to him be glory. All right, this isn't something concocted by Paul out of the blue. This is a natural response of his heart in light of this truth. Take your Bibles, go back to Ephesians 1. We're going to do a little experiment. We're going to read two passages. And I'm going to show you what's natural, that this phrase is here, to him be glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 We're going to read through verse 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen to this language that Paul uses. He's blessed us in Christ, every spiritual blessing. He chose us, verse 4, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for what? Adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. And he just goes on and on and on. It's a natural response to that kind of truth for Paul to then say, to him be Glory. I mean, he just took us into this broad sweep of redemption. The Father has chosen us before the foundation of the world. He has brought us in as sons and daughters in adoption. Jesus Christ, he has paid the price through his redemptive effort upon the cross that has brought us to the forgiveness of sins. What's the natural response of the redeemed heart to that kind of gospel truth? To him be glory. Look at chapter 2, another familiar text. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. Paul reminds you of who you were outside of Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You once walked according, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And then this little statement at the end of verse number Three, You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul just reminding you who you, you were outside of Christ. And this is who you were by nature. You're a child of wrath. You're a fallen sinner. But then he turns to verse number four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, and in other words, in spite of us, notice this, Even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. The only proper response of the redeemed heart to that kind of truth is this, to him be glory. You see see the doxology and why it's here? It's here because of this gospel truth that Paul has been shoveling to us. Just glorious, unmerited grace that we have received in Christ. What else do you say to that truth other than to him be glory? This doxology is here, this little phrase in the doxology is here because it is a natural response of the redeemed heart. When we think of who we were outside of Christ and what God has done for us in Christ, that rich mercy and grace that he has poured up on our lives, the only response of, of, of God's people is this, to him be glory. There's a second reason this phrase is here, though. It's not just that. I mean, there's a second reason Paul includes this. And, and to see this, I want you to go back to Ephesians 1. This is very familiar to you if, you're, if you've been at Randolph Street for any amount of time This is fundamental to who we are as a people here. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is going to bring to the table the triune God. So let me give you a little overview of this. Verse number 3, blessed be God the Father. There's the Father right after that of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the Son. And if you let your eyes linger all the way down to verse number 13, he brings in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So in these short verses, he's going to bring the Father, the Son, and the Spirit to bear upon us, and the unified work of the Godhead to redeem us. So the Father, verses 3 and following, he chooses you, he elects you, he sets his affection upon you. The Son, verse 7 and following, he redeems you. If you have been chosen by the Father, the Son now, he redeems you through his blood, and in that you have forgiveness of sins. If the Father has chosen you and the Son has redeemed you, all the way down to verse number 13, the Spirit of God, he seals you until the day of redemption. It's this beautiful, glorious, unified plan of the triune God in choosing, redeeming, and sealing you for redemption. That's what he's putting on the table before us. Now the question is, why does Paul put this on the table? Well, let your eyes linger back. Why does the Father choose? Go all the way down to verse number six. To the praise of his glorious grace. Why are you saved? Why did the Father set his love upon you? Ultimately, to the praise of his glorious grace why did the son die on a cross for you well let your eyes linger down beginning of verse 7 it goes all the way through verse 12 This train of thought look at the end of verse number 12 to the praise of his glory there it is why did jesus die up on the cross for you sinner for the glory of god What about the Spirit of God? Verse 13 and 14. Why does the Spirit work and seal you? Why does he keep you for the day of redemption? Why does he guarantee your inheritance? Well, look at the end of verse number 14. The third time it's stated, to the praise of his glory. This is the purpose of God. The unified work of the Spirit of God, of of the triune God, is the glory of God. On our website when we made the change at the end I don't know last year at some point the folks asked us what do you what do you want on the front I don't know there's a word for that you you tech gurus out there you probably know this kind of stuff there's a little phrase you put on the front of the website it kind of catches the person visiting the site and what do you want and you know there's all kinds of catchy little phrases that churches might adopt and I thought you know we want to put up front what we are most passionate about if somebody comes to our website we want them to see this the purpose of God is the glory of God and we join him in that mission and that's not just some fancy little staying to try to create some traffic for our website that's what the scriptures teach us that's what Ephesians 1 is putting right in front of our faces this morning the purpose of God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the glory of God. So it makes sense to me when we come to this doxology at the end of chapter 3 that Paul would write, to him be glory. Why would Paul write that? Because that's the purpose of God. Paul, Paul's just jumping on the bandwagon, if you will. This is what God is doing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So therefore, as I come to the end of this, that's what I'm going to proclaim, the glory of God. And let us be clear. This world may not look like it right now. The church may not look like it right now. But God will have his purpose. God will have his purpose. His glory will spread to the nations. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says this. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And listen to this next statement. As the waters cover the sea. Have you ever seen a sea without water? You get that? This this writer says the earth is going to be filled with the glory of this is the purpose of God. The glory of God is the purpose of God. And the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And the author in Habakkuk says, like the waters cover the sea, in other words, everywhere. The glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill this universe and fill this earth. God will have his purpose. To him be glory. In Randolph Street, it is good for you, is good for me, to set our minds often up on the glory of God. It's good for us. I think in our we sing here, just to be swept up into these aspects of God and His glory, and to be overwhelmed by them. I think of this the old hymn we just learned last month: whate'er my God ordains." such truth in that song it's good to be swept up into that aspect of god's glory calvin would say this men are never duly touched and impressed with a conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of god it's good it's good for us and our humility to come often to see the glory of our god look at the rest of this the second phrase To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Again, this makes this an unusual doxology by bringing the church now into this core aspect of this particular statement. Jesus is often in doxologies. I think you heard him all three times in the doxologies I read to you out of Romans, Hebrews, and Jude, but not the church. So what's Paul pointing us to when he says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus? Let's be clear about what Ephesians has been teaching us. The church here refers to those whom Christ has purchased, Jew and Gentile. Those whom the Father has chosen, those whom the Son has purchased. And God has brought Jew and Gentile now together into this one body called the body of Christ. So there is an inseparableness in the mind of the author when he thinks about the church and when he thinks about Christ. The church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. And here it can be clear, the purpose of the church, to him be glory in the church, the purpose of the church is to put on display the glory of God, the wisdom of God, the grace of God, ultimately through Christ. But what I want you to see here, and this is why this doxology became really important to us, the vehicle in time and in history for the glory of God in this world is the church. The church is called to display the glory of God. He's going to capture this in chapter 3, verse number 10. He says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known To the rulers and authorities in heavenly places and bringing Jew and Gentile together, forgiven under Christ, under the headship of Christ, bringing Jew and Gentile together into the body of Christ in that God is displaying his wisdom, not just to this world, but to the principalities and authorities that are in the heavenly place. He's putting on display his wisdom through the church. Daryl Bach in his commentary on Ephesians, which was a new commentary for me to read through this past week, he said, the church here is seen as a painting of grace with God at work on the canvas. The church is where God is expressing himself most visibly in the world. The church mediates the perception of God. Listen to this language. I think he's capturing the the flavor here of Ephesians 3, verse 10, and verse 21. The church mediates the perception of God in the world. It is the mirror from God and for God to the world. The church is. I hope you hear the importance of the church in this. The role of the church. The church is the realm of God's presence and his rule upon this earth. And the church is the primary sphere in which his glory is demonstrated I and mean, capture that, that the church uh, us here at randolph street this is why i'm thrilled about them planting a church in prestonsburg kentucky well what's the vehicle for the glory of god in prestonsburg kentucky it's the church connected here with christ but it's it's the church the church is the vehicle for the glory of god in time and in history And the church best displays the glory of God when she loves, embraces, cherishes, declares, and lives by the power of her Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to change the world? There it is. You want to put the glory of God on display here and abroad? There it is. Appalachia is a dark region. What's what's going to be the light in Appalachia? We want the glory of God. This is one of our little taglines in the network. We want the glory of God to echo through the hills and hollers of Appalachia. That's what we want, right? Well, how does that happen? It's through the church. God's vehicle in this time in history to declare his glory and his grace and his mercy to the world When the church loves, embraces, cherishes, declares, and lives by the power of her head, Jesus, she displays the glory of God. We're talking about business stuff here these days. And I said to you in our business meeting this morning, we we try to often just tuck that stuff off to the side. It's important, but it doesn't define us. It's not what we're about. Randolph Street, what we're about here on the west side of Charleston, this is what we want to be about. A faithful, healthy church that loves her head, Christ. And we preach him, and we proclaim him, and we love him, and we demonstrate him, and we worship him, and we rejoice in him, and we believe him. Listen, a church connected to that kind of faith and heartbeat for Christ is a church that brings glory to God. It's a little rabbit trail. It's why I love our gathering each week? Because the gospel of Jesus takes center stage here. Song and readings and prayers and preaching. I mean every week, we, we have said this for years. We come here to rehearse. We're like a choir. We come here to rehearse what God has done for us in Christ. We come in weary. We come in embattled and desperate different and diverse. We walk in this room every Lord's day recognizing that we are sinners and deserving of judgment. But God has shown his grace. And that grace that we've experienced together is sovereign and unmerited and unearned. And now as a result of that grace, we gather into this room and we are alive and we are forgiven and we are pardoned and we are reconciled to God through Christ. And we gather in this space each week to sing and to preach and to pray and to read the gospel to reflect upon those truths of all that God has done for us through his son, week in and week out, in this sacred space, we gather together to turn our eyes upon the Savior. And when that happens, God is glorified. Third phrase, to all generations forever and ever. We're hurrying toward the end now. There is an earthliness to this doxology, I think, that's different than other doxologies. Almost every doxology points us to the future, eternity. But this one has a flair, if you will, for the here and now and eternity, history and future. Paul's, in his doxological vision of the glory of God in the church and in Christ Jesus, it extends into history all generations, throughout all generations, but he's also got that other eye that's looking into the future throughout all eternity. One writer says, as one generation yields to another, as one age passes to the next, for all time, God will have glory, both in the church and in Christ Jesus. When, when i preach this in 2010 for the first time. I remember one of the statements I made coming out of that, this little phrase at the end of verse number 21, throughout all generations, forever and ever, it's like he can't stop himself, right? But one of the comments I made back in 2010 is this, the work we do now matters, the work that the church is involved in here at 213 Randolph Street, the work we do now matters for all eternity. It carries forth an eternal significance. And I want you to I want you to see that this morning. What we engage in together in gospel ministry here at Randolph Street, in shepherding one another and in worshiping together in the Lord's day, this work matters. It has eternal significance. God will have his glory now from generation to generation to generation, and he will have his glory in the church and in Christ forever and ever. Spurgeon would say, our children shall follow after us and they shall praise the Lord. By the way, this is why the second London and that whole effort we've been making for now almost three years, two and a half years, that's why it is so important to me. I want the glory of God to be proclaimed from this pulpit well after you and I are gone from this place. We want God and His sovereign grace and the glory of His mercy in Christ to be the flavor of this church way beyond our lifetime. We want it for generation after generation after generation. Spurgeon says, Our children shall follow, follow after us, and they shall praise the Lord. Oh, I hope so. And their children, and they shall praise him. And their children, and they shall praise him. I think yeah, this doxology just kind of breeds this in us, right? And then he says, And when the time comes that the earth grows old, and Christ himself shall descend from heaven to renew all things, his saints shall magnify him when he comes. When he smites his foes and breaks them in pieces like potter's vessels, the saints shall still adore him. And And when comes the end, and he shall have delivered up the power to God, even the Father, still the everlasting song shall go up to God and to the Lamb. And through the ages of of ages, when God shall be all in all, it shall be the bliss of every redeemed one forever and ever to say unto him, unto you be glory, unto him be glory, forever and ever and ever. The work that God is doing now in the church It's like a pebble into the proverbial pond. It will ripple in its effects throughout all eternity as God's people in Christ will lift up our voices in praise and worship. And our song will be forever. To him be glory. Last word. Amen. This is what scholars call an emphatic affirmation. It's not just a tag-on word to let you know, the reader, that it's over. It's not what amen is. Like you amen the end of a sermon sometimes. You know, amen, it's over kind of thing. That's not what's happening here. This is an emphatic affirmation of the writer. To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. And then he says, let it be so. And you can almost feel the intensity of this moment. So be it. I mean, this author, he, he's, he's, he's focused in on this truth of God and his glory in the church and in Christ and all generations and forever and ever, so much so that what rises up in his heart at the end of this is this emphatic affirmation, please, O oh God, let this be so. And my response to the the word amen today for you and I is this. Is that your heart? When you hear that the purpose of God is the glory of God, is your heart amen? Oh, let it be. Oh, God, let this be. Does your life reflect amen? Amen? And what I mean by that is this. Are you seeking to move everything in your life, everything in your life to this glorious purpose? That, that's going to look different for every person in this room. It's going to look different for stages of life But is your driving passion that which is summed up by the Apostle Paul here so much so that your amen is moving everything in your life toward this glorious purpose of the glory of God in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and forever and ever. And then your life comes behind that and says, amen. The purpose of God is the glory of God. I preached this sermon for the first time in 2010. It's changed since then. It's changed quite a bit, actually. And we, here, up there, in another room, kind of committed together, this is our passion. This is our heart. That's why I said to you the, the annual meeting pocket that I wrote and printed and sent out to all of you, and you have, I hope, That first paragraph or that intro letter that I wrote, just rehearsing all that God has done here the last 10, 12 or so years, just was almost overwhelming to me. When these brothers came up here and stood with Pastor Tim a minute ago and they're talking about a church plant in Eastern Kentucky, a church that loves this truth, a church that loves the doctrines of grace, a church that loves the exposition of scripture, a church that loves healthy church leadership, elders and deacons, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming to me because we're, we're seeing these things taking place in Appalachia that we've longed prayed for. Our network of churches that's just now taking root. Churches in Hurricane, West Virginia; Fort Gay, West Virginia; Williamson, West Virginia; Saliersville, Kentucky; and soon to be Prestonsburg. We'll, that day, we'll be here praying for them as they launch and other churches that are connecting together with this kind of heart and this kind of passion. Over the next three years, we're going to send six pastors a year to Belize to train pastors who don't have access to theological training or biblical studies like we have such an overwhelming access to in the States. We're going to be sending teams of men, six guys a year, to go and to serve these underserved pastors. Now we've got a partnership with a missionary in northern Africa and translating the scriptures, geared, gearing his whole life toward unreached people groups in Algeria and Chad. Now we're partnering with teams in Vietnam going after unreached people groups. Teams with a twenty-year plan, a team in Western Indonesia targeting a people group. I don't know Alan, and they're they're committed three or four families, and they got twenty-year plans to go after this. And now here we are. We're gonna we're gonna pray for them and things that we have longed for and anticipated together. Partnership in Central Asia and in Beijing, and a pastor training other pastors throughout that region. Just opportunity after opportunity for us to see this vision come to pass. And what is that vision? simple to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and the people of Randolph Street respond to that with amen let's pray together well father thank you for our time together with your people here this morning. This text has become a treasure for us here at Randolph Street. And Lord, I pray that I know many of the folks here, and many of our folks joining us online today, this is, this is new stuff to them. They've been here new in the last few years and haven't heard this text that, have, that has really grounded us these past 12 or so years. Lord, may this truth become the very heartbeat of our church. Strengthen us to embrace this vision for our lives and this vision for our ministries here at Randolph Street. Father, our heart is to you be the glory through us in Christ God, would you do that work so significant in these days that that ripples through generation after generation after generation into eternity, your glory being proclaimed. Father, there will be days before us in which we will be called to give and sacrifice and pray and some will go. Think of Keith and Kristen, even now in West Africa, who've gone out from us, I think of our partners in Northern Africa, Western Indonesia, Vietnam, and China, global partners spread throughout other parts of the world. I think of my brothers here this morning from Christ Community Church, our network churches in Hurricane and Fort Gay and Sayersville, Williamson, others. I think of the ministries that you're birthing right here within the context of Randolph Street and the west side of Charleston and the shepherding and care ministry that happens right here and just being a healthy local church. Father, over all of that, would you be pleased to stamp up on it to the praise of your glory as what drives us and consumes us, as we give, as we go, as we pray, as we sacrifice, all for the glory of you, our God. So be glorified now in your church as we celebrate, embrace, cherish, love, proclaim, and live out Christ in this world. We pray that for your glory in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing together.
2: that that's a response of our soul week after week as we engage in worshiping our God through uh, different ways, as we sing, as we hear the